Our season premiere recap of Tough as Nails is sponsored by American Idol. Season 4 premieres Sunday, February 14th on ABC. Hey guys, get ready because the new season of American Idol premieres on Valentine's Day and you are going to love every minute of it. Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie are back together again in person along with Ryan Seacrest and Bobby Bones, which means the singers will also be back on the Idol stage. That's such good news because I know how we all miss those big production numbers in live shows. Plus, I hear they have some huge surprises this season. The judges are already saying that the talent level is off the charts, so you know there's going to be some superstars in the making. Can't wait to see who America discovers next. My favorite part of American Idol, though, is hearing the contestants in stories. They're so inspiring. And it's always exciting to watch somebody's dreams come true right before your eyes. It's the kind of feel-good show we all need right now, right? So grab the ones you love and make it a date to hear those magic words. You're going to Hollywood. American Idol premieres Sunday, February 14th at 8, 7 central on ABC. See you there. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino, we are back here. The Savage Crew is back together for another round of Tough as Nails coverage here on Rob Has a Podcast. Very excited to get into Season 2 of Blue Collar versus Blue Collar is back. Tough as Nails Season 2 got underway on Wednesday night and we are back to talk about everything that comes up in Season 2. Back with me. People that covered season one of the podcast last season back in the summer. Here we are back again. Please welcome uh, that. And we had almost no layoff. Uh, just we did the Amazing Race, had a couple of weeks off, and now we're all back together. Here is our chief Amazing Race correspondent and tough as nails, all around super fan, Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? I, I'm great, Rob. I, I'm ready to to just dive in and get the job done. Yes. I'm all about getting the job done. Yes. Okay. Um, just, do you have a nickname you want to go by this season? Um, I feel like you can't, yeah, you can't give yourself a nickname, Rob. You have to wait for one to be given to you. Okay. All right. We'll see if they come up along the way. Of course, a man of, um, many nicknames, uh, please welcome a man that we just got done talking about the all time funniest, uh, Jeff Probst moments on Tuesday night. Give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. So happy to be back at work talking tough as nails. I know that you said it's it's been a small time since we talked about the summer show. Really felt like summer with this show, considering the sweat that was pouring off of everybody over the course of 60 minutes. Yeah. So sort of like Game of Thrones that we had sort of like the cold weather season last season where everybody was like freezing. And now this is the the fire season. Yeah. Well, what do you think the chances are that we get like a co-wrong incident where somebody collapses from heat exhaustion in the middle of a challenge? Hmm. I'm going to say zero because they would have touted that in the previews for the season Mm. if that was a thing that happened. Toughness personified. You get back up when your body betrays you. Yeah. This is an intense show. Uh, People like uh, like cramping up and like trying to get through these challenges. And uh, Mikey eyebrows a couple of times needed to look like he needed an IV. (laughs) <laughs> Mikey IV by the end of this. Mikey IV, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to talk about everything from uh, the premiere. Uh, we may have special guests that join us along the way uh, this season as we talk about uh, Tough as Nails. But uh, yeah, this was fun. Tough as Nails was back. 
do we think because last season it ended up incidentally because the show ended up getting pushed forward i think due to a lot of things shifting around they ended up doing a two-hour premiere where they did the first episode of determining who the team members were in the first hour and the second hour had an outright episode challenges and elimination we didn't get it this time just the forming of the teams in our first team challenge did we miss an elimination on night one of toughest nails I mean, honestly, I don't care whether or not we get an elimination, but I thought this was kind of a weird place to stop down. Like, wow, are we are we going to cram an elimination up front and then a whole second elimination on the second episode? Uh, the pacing of this felt a little strange to me, and I liked the opportunity. I thought we didn't need two hours. I'm glad we didn't get two hours because that would have been an awful lot in a very crazy week. But I felt like... I liked the amount of content we got. I just don't know logistically how we go forward from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't uh, remember that from when the show premiered over the summer about how that there was uh, two hours and then we got sort of like the, you know, basically like uh, a normal episode of Tough as Nails for anybody who's a new viewer. We see the team competition play out in the first half hour and then the individual competition and the overtime play out in the second half hour here we really just got sort of like a competition to determine the captains and then a competition to determine who was going to be the first badge of honor winner i i do wonder if maybe it just had more to do with like hey it's gonna be a minute before we start to have like our regular programming all like Mm. uh up and in production so i'm wondering like could this be like a 16 episode season I do believe that the press release when the season was announced, I do think they're back for 10. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I did some press with Phil. I believe he said 10 after that. I think to Jess's point, my personal theory is that this first team challenge was sort of a bonus. Mm-hmm. And that I think next episode, when we go to the coast, it's going to be our regular format of team individual overtime. I think, you know, last season they had, I believe, eight team challenges and so they had to do a tiebreaker i do Uh, wonder if one of the things they instituted was let's make it an odd number so that we don't have to have a tiebreaker at the end interesting like you just get the money you don't have to get rid of somebody if you don't get the money mm -hmm. okay so we'll do back-to-back team challenges you think yeah i think this was just sort of like an addendum of hey you formed your teams now's the first test of you as a team and then now that we i think a, a, a change in location symbolizes like starting a cycle anew you know, like, OK, now that we're we're at the seashore, now we're going to do it. The team challenge, individual challenge, OT affiliated with this. So this was more so just a bonus. Here's a get to know you challenge where you happen to build a garage. <laughs> so, Mike, are you saying that you're not fully, truly a team until you've done a challenge together and then had a van ride together? Exactly. That's really how you you cast these things in cement, if you will. Otherwise, you're just aggregate and sand and water yeah. you need to mix together to form that concrete. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I know that you had uh, uh, done an interview with Phil where uh, you were reporting about how the Savage Crew and Dirty Hands names uh, would be back again. The legacy of uh, the two storied franchises, the Savage Crew and the Dirty Hands, uh, would be back. Were you pumped up to see them returning, the team names? It's so interesting because I think when we first saw this and this was first instituted, I know it reminded us a lot of The Apprentice when this was a hallmark of every season was, okay, no matter what your configuration, you get to determine a team name. And that's how we got such luminaries as Backbone and KOTU, Kings of the Universe, (laughs) Once Upon a Time. 
And so you, we wondered, would they do this every season? Should the show be renewed? But I think Phil more so looked at it as, and the, the, what he described it to me as, it's more like a sports franchise, where now you sort of have teams that you follow. You have your teams that you track season to season. And you might change loyalties based on who you feel about each team. But otherwise, you know, now you can say, I, this was Dirty Hands storyline last season. Will it continue this season despite a completely different crop of contestants? So it's really a brand new way mm-hmm. to look at the idea of tribal concept. Imagine if season two of Survivor and Beyond was, okay, every tribe is Pagong or Tagi. You, can, you really <laughs> yeah. have people coming in and be like, well, we're not going to get wiped out like those Pagongs. Well, Mike, do you see yourself as a Dirty Hands person or a Savage Crew person? Yeah, this is so, because I was Savage. I bled <laughs> Orange last season. No offense to Dirty Hands. I think I still find myself savage this time because, to be quite honest, it's it cemented that for me when Scott said that this edition of Savage Crew is a bunch of loudmouths, which I am mm-hmm. fully, and so I have to support my fellow loudmouths here and go with Savage Crew 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Jess, I saw myself as a dirty hands person last season. I, I don't know if that allegiance has transferred over. It's It's hard to say at this early juncture, Rob, because I don't think we've fully seen what these people can do. They've started to get to know each other. They all seem really cool. And we've seen, I we've seen glimpses of where they're going to be successful and unsuccessful, but it is really hard to tell yet um, whether we're going to have that same spirit and that same fire. Yeah. Because Jess, do you think that maybe this does sort of open the door for potentially like some season one standouts for like roofer Lee to Skype in and say like, uh, like, Hey, dirty hands. (laughs) And listen, listen, you have a lot to uphold. Back when I was out there <laughs> representing like for that, dirty hands. This is like those um those moments on the the Bachelorette when like the previous mm-hmm. Bachelorette comes in and sits with the current Bachelorette to say, Well, you know, you just have to trust this process and you know, I everybody knows you're looking for what you're looking for. And if you just give yourself over to the process and follow the formula, you're going to come out just on make top. sure you're here for the right reasons, everybody. Yes. Now, yeah. could they do a thing, though, much like in sports, how teams often, you know, players often trade teams. We saw that from the most recent Super Bowl MVP. Could this happen where maybe someone switches team halfway through or Rupert Lee comes back for season three and got traded over to Savage Crew? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you think that we'll have a motivational pep talk from Murph for the uh, Savage Crew at some point? Yeah, hey, emphasis on uh, motivational. Guys, just don't give up. <laughs> Hang in there. Okay. Everything's going to work out. Well, the thing is, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, there were a lot of restrictions put in place due to filming during the sure. pandemic. If, if that wasn't the case, though, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was in the cards for alumni to like make appearances. Like If they had gone to the farm, I could have seen like Melissa making an appearance, for mm-hmm. instance. Yes. Now, Jess, there was one thing that I saw on the episode last night. And, you know, we uh, spent many uh, uh, days talking to Phil about everything from Tough as Nail season one. And there was one thing I saw and I wondered, hmm, did that potentially <laughs> come from uh, our conversations? Do you know what it is? Did we did we manifest something, Rob? I think that we might. Maybe, maybe. I mean, we'll have the chance to <laughs> a- ask Phil that question. But did you notice that the damn vans were had the decals for Savage Crew and oh. dirty hands oh. and just I, I feel like that that was something that you talked about yeah i thought we needed branding you <laughs> know i even like i even presented some designs <laughs> they did not and use was, your art concepts 
I, I'm really, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that one of the vans did not look like the mystery machine and the other one did not look like the A-team van. But <laughs> if we manifested this, then I am totally okay with it. And if not, I'm okay with it too, because it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I don't need credit for a good idea. Uh, we really got to spend a lot of time getting to uh, meet the cast of uh, Tough as Nails uh, season two. Uh, should we talk about some standouts here in season oh, two? Yeah. Listen, let's let's start with Selly. We got to start with Selly. Selly's Selly's fantastic. Yes. I love Selly. She's wonderful. And she brings a toughness. And I think I think Tough as Nails is always trying to do this. They're trying to bring someone in who embodies a type of toughness that you don't immediately think of like, you know, you're going to get a guy that, um, you know, you know, you're getting your construction workers, you know, you're getting your iron workers and your, your stone masons and your ship captains. But then you have this oddball pick that you don't, you don't think about them as being super tough until you realize, yeah, that job may actually be tougher than all of these other jobs in some ways. And I think Sally really embodies that she's kind of a good pick of the moment. Almost like Michelle last season, but more topical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Michelle-y, if you will. Yes. I, I also just love Sally's personality. There's a great moment, even in the very beginning, before she even speaks, where when Mikey Eyebrows reveals his nickname, she just gives a look like, who is this bozo? And you know, on the other side of that, when she ends up on uh, Mikey Eyebrows' team and she ends up winning, she's like, you know, squatting and clapping for the cash. She's smelling the, the wad of money. So Sally mm-hmm. is a big personality on top of as jess says an incredibly unique way for the show to touch upon i mean the sort of the the reality of the situation and i think this is something that was also spoken about last season as well a bit of as much robbie's sort of poke about blue collar versus blue collar toughness can be embodied by a lot of different individuals and the timeliness allowed us to, to question what toughness meant in a whole new way so even just the inclusion of Sally, let alone just the fantastic TV that she is, is a really great concept. Yeah, uh, great find by Sally. She struggled in uh, the opening challenge, but uh, she didn't really suffer from it. Like it wasn't like that. She lost confidence in herself. Yeah, well, I think if you don't know anything about what you're doing, you set an <laughs> extremely low bar for yourself, right? She's like, all that matters is that I finished. I don't know what aggregate is. I yeah. just shoveled a bunch of concrete and I've never done that before. So I'm proud of myself no matter what. That's a very relatable attitude, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder to come in as sort of like, hey, I don't work in construction like uh, that. Anything I do like, hey, this isn't my day job. Like, I feel like there's no chance of five holing anything if you are coming <laughs> into this from certain professions, Jess. Yeah. But there's also there's something to be said for. And I think this is something that the show loves to loves to hammer home is that when you work in a job like this, you are ready. Yeah. You are ready to do just about anything. And you, the skill sets that you acquire in your actual line of work are transferable in a lot of ways. And so part of the joy is in discovering exactly how you take your own strengths and apply them to the, to the task at hand. Yes. Okay. And uh, we have a, a visitor here joining us to talk about everything that we saw in the uh, tough as nails season premiere is an old friend. Uh, that he is uh, the alpha male in our theme song. Here is uh, the Emmy award-winning host and executive producer of Tough as Nails, who's either frozen or especially stoic in this moment, uh, <laughs> Phil Kogan. I apologize for my tardiness, uh, You're ladies fine. and gentlemen. You're fine. Look, we're not going to dock you your pay here for punching in uh, after we well, got started. I did know it was... Uh, 
time to go to work. And uh, I, I guess uh, I didn't hear the work whistle blow. And I uh, anyway, yes. no, I was doing other things. Phil, I'm looking at enough? I'm looking at you right now on our on our video, and I'm looking at my uh, uh, Tough as Nails 2021 calendar, and yeah, well, this you is know, your uh, your Tough as Nails uniform. You have adopted the same the same as the cast that you have okay. one one outfit now. I gotta ask now, though, do you have multiple shirts like that, or is that the same shirt? No, I wear the same stinky shirt, but um. Is the mm-hmm. is the toughest nails logo in the right place? At least you know the is that in the right? Or should it be on the other side of the frame? No, it looks good. It does. Okay. Um, well, you know, continuity is very important to me, and mm-hmm. um, true. I, uh, you know, I, what I do is I, I make a note of the last time people have seen me, and then I try to wear the same thing so they feel comfortable. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the last time you saw me, and here I am back again, like you know, the live version of what you got in your calendar. Yeah. I have not seen, I have not personally seen the calendar. So is it, is it, oh. is it quality? It's is great. It, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's I, great. I love it. My, my one complaint is that there's for a calendar that says tough as nails in mm-hmm. big letters on the front, there is no place to put a nail, a nail. There's no hole mm. to actually yeah. put on the so wall. I had to, uh, is that why you got abuse for using tape? <laughs> putting yeah. it up yes. on the wall? Yes. Okay. All right, so that was, a, I guess, a flaw. No, we'll no, a, it's a project. No. It's a project. You it's get a challenge. It was a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, a- look, I, I haven't even said Happy New Year. Hello, nice to see you. Uh, <laughs> Rob has a haircut. Mm-hmm. I haven't said any of that um, or had a haircut. So uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> I do Rob it myself, had a Phil. Haircut, yeah. and yes. um, everybody's looking uh, good, and hopefully you're all healthy and you haven't you had too. COVID. Mm, I did, but I didn't have symptoms, so. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Anyway, it's it's nice to be back. You know, I I have to tell you, there was a there was a whole discussion in our uh, story meeting this morning in our production about whether I should come back to the show uh, and and be with you again or not. Oh. oh. And um and there was uh, there was support, yes. and then there was also uh you know, Phil, we're sickened to death of hearing you talk about the show. So could you just shut up and let the three of them talk? Because when you're not there, they get real and they talk and we'd rather hear them get real than you talk about the show. So I'm kind of torn. And so uh, one of our young, uh, one of our young producers said to me, Phil, uh, or somehow we got to this conversation that I need to treat you like I'm on a date and that I need to leave before we order dessert or coffee and that there should be no walk of shame. That was the other thing. No walk of shame. So I've got to come out early uh, at some point so that you guys carry on and get real and then they can hear you talk instead of me. That's kind of where we got to. Wow. Never thought podcasting would be relating to dating in so many ways. But here we are yeah. making comparisons. We need to podcast with more producers that they totally have like a totally different way of looking at everything. Yeah, yeah they we got could real get people with that are not you. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, bring they, some of them on. Well, I, I, I could. I, I could. But that does make me nervous. Um, <laughs> Don't you live with one? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. You're going to say hello, Louise? She's shy. No, no, yeah. well, that's that was the, that was the podcast there. Yes, yeah, you're gonna say hello. No, you okay? And Louise is one of the ones that's saying, you know, enough. I think she's just sick to death of being in quarantine with me, mm-hmm. and it's like too much. 
<laughs> I know. See, she loves hearing you guys. So maybe I should just go. Should I go? I mean, no, they just got here. Three we, minutes we, we and then leave. The entree well, didn't even come. Well, hold on. Why don't you say to Louise, we want just a little bit of Phil. And just so she knows that you want me here, that I'm not forcing myself on you. <laughs> say something. Yes. Please. Well, no, the, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> Phil is not foisting himself no. on us. We want we want a smidge of Phil. We always want a smidge of Phil. Yeah, smidge. Okay. Apparently that's the key word, yes. smidge. All right. So uh, take a smidge of me, and I'll I'll cut out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, we were talking about in uh, the premiere episode. We uh, just saw the one team competition. That uh, do we expect in the next episode that we'll have the regular format team competition and then an individual elimination? Yes. Yeah, no, there was, um, if you remember when we spoke last season, we we ended up putting episodes one and two together. Yeah. We had two uh, challenges to get two winners to pick two teams. And then we decided we wanted to get into it faster. So we just said first two to finish the first challenge, pick a team. And then we wanted to get right into a team challenge in the first hour. So that was motivated by what happened last time. Yeah. Can I also but, ask Phil... When you uh, when people applied for the show, did you expressly ask them to enter a nickname for themselves or it just so happened <laughs> that about half the cast has nicknames with which they go by this season? Yeah. And um, some of them are great and people seem to be picking up on them. Um, you know, last time we sort of added on the whole roofer Lee and drywall Danny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in this season, it was more just about their nicknames and, you know, the whole thing with Zeus, uh, you know, and. You know, he has got an amazing physique and certainly a lot of power. And uh, I do love Knuckles and Freight Train is just I mean, he's just a gem. Um, Yeah, no, it was just that we ended up with a whole bunch of people with nicknames. I noticed there's like a there's kind of a spectrum of how often a nickname is used on a person like i do not know what swifty's actual name is because you just call him swifty all the time but then i think i heard knuckles exactly once now the rest of the time she was just liz right so i didn't want to be too familiar out of the gate with Mm -hmm. calling her knuckles when i just got to know her so Mm. i called her liz (laughs) for the first challenge but in hindsight she did say that her nickname is knuckles and quite frankly we've gone through uh a, a whole casting process with her and we got to know her. So in hindsight, I think I probably would have just gone with knuckles right out of the gate, but I was trying to be, I didn't want to be like over, overly familiar. Like I know you and I have, I can call you knuckles right out of the gate. So, but in hindsight, I, she would have been totally fine with it. She's so relaxed. She's not like that sort of thing. Wouldn't bother. Phil, could you tell us why is she knuckles? Uh, I did ask her that. I, 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 I didn't get a really good answer. I think it has something to do with the fact that when you do smooth, when you smooth out concrete, mm-hmm. you're, you're on, you, you, you use your legs and your hands. And I guess she's on her knuckles. I, that yeah. might be something for you to ask her about and see if we can get a proper answer. I did not get a definitive answer. You heard the reason that they call freight train freight train. Did you hear mm-hmm. that one? Mm-hmm. Because of his wife, uh, saying that when he played softball and he was coming around the bases, once he got going, there was no stopping him. There was no coach there that was able to say, hey, freight train, stop there on second. He just kept coming through to third. <laughs> yeah. More like runaway train than freight train then. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
runaway train. Like yeah. the, what was that seventies movie, Silver Streak or whatever it was, where the train ran away? And you guys mm. are too young for that. Well, I know taking of Pelham one, two, three, kind of same premise. Okay. Yeah. That yes, the train that just doesn't yeah. stop rolling. It's mm-hmm. like speed, but a train. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Mikey eyebrows, um, I, I presume you picked up that wonderful line, uh, you know, my love for for concrete just can't be, um, you know, he, uh, I can't even, ex- what does he say? I can't the love, express. The love I have for concrete goes beyond words is what he <laughs> says. <laughs> and, and clearly it does because. <laughs> yeah. So Man, there, Mike, Mikey the eyebrows, I would say is definitely like, I'd say, I'd say the biggest character, I think out of this mm-hmm. first group, he was at least the most outspoken, you know, I can imagine Phil, even though finding this group of characters, they're more used to this idea of the show than the first season characters. There probably is still some adjustment to getting used to the cameras. Mikey eyebrows seems ready to go. He was, he's like cackling. He's yelling, let's go. He's jumping around. He's pouring water over himself. Like he's won the big game. Like Mikey eyebrows was in it from the very okay, beginning. Did you notice that that happened 20 minutes into the challenge? Mm-hmm. That's the it, best part. He runs it did remind me. It did remind me a little bit of uh, Flashdance, another old reference uh, movie reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, where the hair and the and the yeah, water that, are splashing. Doesn't that doesn't that take place where Swifty works at the Steelworks? <laughs> at the Steelworks, yeah, with the and that's all backlit with the yeah. with the droplets falling down. Um, I met Mikey Eyebrows uh, in New York back in October of uh, of 2019 when we were doing the casting tour, and he wasn't available to come on the first season because of work commitments and then he reapplied and um and then he popped back up on the scene well that's a that's a question i wanted to ask actually about the casting process because obviously things are very different now you couldn't you couldn't go from city to city and like let a giant throng of blue collar workers come up and and overrun with their character yeah Yeah. so how did you handle casting this time around um well it was the, the good thing about going from a season one to a season two is that in the beginning, you're almost like you're trying to convince people that it'd be a good idea to be on this new show. What's the show? Oh, it's called Tough as Nails. What's it about? How's it mm. work? What's the tone of the show? How do you treat people? Do you treat them with respect? Is it heartfelt? Is it about you know exploiting them to make content? How does the show work? And so there's always that. A lot of questions is they don't. People are a little more cautious now. The group of people too that we're going after, a lot of them are not looking to. Like if you remember Rufer Lee, I remember it would sometimes take three weeks before we could get in touch with him. He's not like, you know, easily available to like just call on the phone because they got one phone that they're sharing in the family. They're not like on there tweeting and Instagramming all the time. So they don't really care too much about a lot of them about being on TV or being famous. So and they're the ones that you really want because they are really the salt of the earth. They're the ones that really do all the hard work. And so it was a big battle making sure that we put in all that effort in season one to finding the right people. And I think we did a pretty good job. Season two, thousands. I mean, it was, we were inundated because once people saw what we were doing and once people saw that we were treating people respectfully and honoring what they did and that we were deliberately leaving some of the rougher stuff out because it just, it's not the, it's just not what the show, the zeitgeist of the, not the zeitgeist, sorry, the um, ethos of the show is. When people realized that, I think they were like, oh, I want to be a part of that. Uh, I, I, can, I can see that I could be a part of that. So, you know, we went from thousands down to hundreds and then we started pooling people into different trades. 
Um, and it was great to get like an application from someone like Zeus, who's living in Hawaii and who is a lineman and who is Pacific Islander. And then someone like Angel or, or Raida, whose family comes originally from Venezuela. So we were just able to play a, a lot of different notes um, as far as the casting went. And we had a lot. We were we were spoiled for choice. And already we've been getting inundated uh, just with all the press around season two. We've been getting inundated with people applying to be on a season three or a four, you know, so wow. that, that it makes our job a lot easier because we're spoiled for choice. I wanted to ask as well, when the contestants were introducing themselves, what I noticed, maybe, I don't know if this stuck out particularly about season two, there's a lot of talk about unions, especially yes. coming from Mikey Eyebrows. You know, he, he name drops his union several times, most due in part to the fact that that is his family and that's who raised them. Was that a facet of season one that just didn't make the edit? Was this like a purposeful choice to more so invoke the, the idea of unions and the group mentality in these types of jobs for this season? Um, I, it wasn't something that we, um, uh, you know, pushed for, I, if you remember in season one, Tara talked a lot about the union and when she was mm -hmm. working as, as, as a dental hygienist, how she didn't get the support there in dentistry. They were like, when are you coming back to work? As opposed to, you know, when she went off to have a baby, the union was there to support her. So we did touch on the unions and, um, part of the reason that I, made the decision to keep the dirty hands and savage crew names were with was realizing the importance of the unions to a lot of these people that we have on the show and that rather than coming up with a whole new family like that, that these new people coming in would be part of an existing family which is what a union really is like when you become a journeyman and you go come into a union you're a part of a brotherhood and sisterhood that extends back generations and will continue to extend generations into the future. You're always a part of that, a little bit like in the military where you're part of the Air Force or Army, Navy, whatever it is, or the alumni that you have at a university. You know, you can be at a, at a game and you don't know the person, but they're supporting the same team and now you're a part of something. So that was sort of the, the, the thinking behind keeping those names. And, um, and, and so we didn't, again, didn't decide to necessarily push harder on the unions. They did. Uh, and I think it's just the nature of where they come from. And what you'll see is there's actually a discussion, another discussion about the unions, uh, from angel who was not part of a union, but they kind of explained to angel why being part of union would be a good idea for him. So yeah, it was just, it just happened organically. It wasn't something we set out to do. Yeah, well, and as I recall, you borrowed a lot of iconography from unions for the look yes. and feel of the show. Yeah. The so, badges of honor. The were, badges. Yeah. Yeah. We're inspired by that. And you would have noticed that um, I took what you said to heart and reduced the size of the badges of honor because <laughs> oh. I, I did not, I did not want to come back and face the wrath of, um, you know, was there a did did something blow up at Kinko's? Was there a, a, a young apprentice doing the photocopying, printing, and just oh my god, it was meant to be this big and it blew up to this massive mm -hmm. football sized uh, icon. So uh, thank you for uh, you also saved me on printing costs because I didn't have to um, I didn't have to print things as big. So thank. Well, you. you funneled that money into printing decals for the sides of the van. I noticed. Yes. Well, that was um, again. I 
I love finding organic ways of IDing things in the show rather than having to use graphics. Um, graphics are hugely important to getting across things, but the more I think you can incorporate them organically into the content, the better. So that was just a way of say, like when the van pulls up, you know, oh, and especially when you're on a season two and now you've got to tell people that, oh, here's a new group of Savage Crew and a new group of Dirty Hands. And then you do, when you keep the same team names, you don't have to change the van. And also I have to give credit to Rob because Rob was the one that noticed the decals before I did. Hmm. Nice, nice job, Rob. Thank um, you, Phil. Good, good, good attention <laughs> yeah. to detail. Very nice. Yeah. And I thought we had some uh, really great talk in the damn van uh, last night. That 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 you know, it, it's very organic to you know see the teams being able to you know interview themselves and sort of like uh, get to know yes. each other like on that first ride home from the challenge. Can I ask though? It seems like the camera quality seemed different in the van than during the challenges. Did you use a special type of camera? for the small space that was the van? Yeah, and full disclosure, we had a little bit of a, a, an issue with the lighting in the first drive time mm-hmm. um, in show one. So you're actually going to see the quality. What's very difficult is, is adjusting those cameras to change from when the sun is up and then the sun goes down and we don't have people yeah. in the vans with them. And mm-hmm. so what happens is Sometimes the camera can default to a setting and then it starts to get very noisy as it's stretching to try to get light and you you're not in there to adjust it. So um, we we had a little, you know, be honest with you, we had a uh, we were a little disappointed with how the cameras and they were we put some new technology in the vans to try to lift the quality. And ironically, in the first ride, we didn't. Mm-hmm. So you should see an improved because we sort of figured it out. We're like, oh, no, okay. Now what we've got to do is we got to set it to here and and make sure that the camera doesn't default to this and that. And so you yeah. should see it better. But the idea is we put little special little vanity lights in for everybody this season. We, we put in more microphones. Like I said, in talking to you guys last time, we didn't know how the drive time was going to play. And then right. it ended up being like this thing where everybody loved it. And so we were like, wow, okay, we better be, Let's try to improve the quality with the drive times. And um, I've heard through friends who take pitches that, <laughs> that there's some people pitching shows with with that element um, in it. Also, the dual, you know, individual competition, team competition, that's creeping into some formats that are being pitched right now. So I'm, uh, uh, it was, you know, it's good, too. I mean, it's I feel like, you know, it's nice that we were the first and. And that people liked it, but it's also interesting to hear that people are going that way. Because there was a time where it was like, what do you mean people get a second chance? What do you mean people don't go home? No, no, no. You're in <laughs> or you're out. That's it. This <laughs> tribe has spoken. Or uh, I guess he would oh, say interesting. Like German Jeff Probst making an appearance on the German podcast. <laughs> can, can I ask, Phil, because I'm sure you were trying to decide, especially with that opening challenge, you know, what was going to be determining team captains is a, is a vital role. I do find it interesting, to be honest, that you chose a challenge in which two people who had experience in doing their daily lives, uh, you know, it, it's a challenge that really speaks to them. And I think it's no coincidence that they end up winning the challenge. I mean, was that the expected outcome for you? Why did you decide to start off with that concrete challenge? Uh, because we didn't know who we were going to cast when we came mm-hmm. up with the concrete challenge. <laughs> so okay. the challenges, so the challenges come before the cast, right? So the, we start working on and finalizing the challenges because we have to get permits and we have to get locations and stuff locked down. 
early, way earlier than like when we're still in the hundreds with the cast. So the fact that Young ended up at a fire challenge is a total coincidence. We didn't like say, oh, we've got Young. He's a fireman. Let's do a fire challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it. it, And coincident, you know, there's going to be coincidences and there are things that happen throughout the season where just happens to be that somebody on the on the crew uh, has experience in a particular challenge. So, no, we didn't we didn't know that it was going to be that. And by the way, to be fair, Knuckles doesn't make concrete. She she smooths concrete out, but she doesn't mix concrete. She doesn't make concrete. Mm. That's not what she does. She has no experience making concrete. A big truck comes in and pours mixed concrete. She smooths out the concrete. Mm-hmm. So the only advantage she really had was in the smoothing out of the concrete in the form, which she did with a four by two or two by four, as you say in America. Um, so I don't know if she distinctly had an advantage and Mikey eyebrows. Yeah. He's mixed concrete before. Um, but again, he generally gets supplied concrete to put the bricks in. So, um, I think, I think there, what that was about was, you know, you look at knuckles technique working with that sledgehammer, just like Arida who uses a sledgehammer at work or, Sarah, who's just super strong. I think it was just uh, applying life skills. Now, you've got young Sally saying, what the hell's aggregate? She has no idea, but she still got in there and 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 did her best. Now, uh, if we were doing the challenges before, sorry, if we were doing the casting before we did the challenges, we would say, well, we can't really have Sally making concrete. She doesn't even know what aggregate is. But the whole point of Tough as Nails is that people from all walks of life get thrown into different things. And I had somebody criticize um, or say to me, how is it fair that, you know, you put a nurse into making concrete? Well, the show's called tough as nails. It's about people who are the best of the best in their chosen trade. I would vouch to say that Sally's mental toughness is through the roof because of what she does. Um, She's not meant to come onto the show being good at making concrete. She's there because of her mental toughness and she has this ability to fit in and, do things. Um, she's not as strong as some of the other people on the show, but that's not why she's there. But that doesn't also mean she's not strong. She's also strong, but it's a combination. It's not just one thing. And so, um, again, I think, you know, we're still showing and proving to people, look at, look at how well Knuckles did against Zeus. I mean, Zeus is a, I mean, the guy looks like a statue of David, you know, I mean, the guy is ripped. And she, with life skills and technique, outworked him, period. So, um, and that's not to say that Zeus isn't going to excel in something else. Mm-hmm. So, and judge a book by its cover. I mean, I think that whole challenge proved that. Yeah. Phil, one of the things that I really loved, uh, a season two edition, was the use of like the 3D animations, especially when yeah. we got to the second challenge and we got to see like the blueprint come to life. Is that something we're going to see more of in season two? Yeah, we have a new graphics person who's come on and uh, we just wanted to up our game. You know, a lot of it just comes down to finding the right people yeah. who are really good at doing these types of things and also money and cost mm-hmm. and where you allocate your resources. Um, so we just decided it was very important to uh, up our game in that regard. Um, the ones that worked really well, like in episode three of season one, the blueprint of the tire and the overtime with uh, Melissa and, and Young, 
we got a lot of compliments about that blueprint and people understanding how it all worked. And so we're, you know, again, you just look at the feedback and you go, oh, people like the graphics. It helps them track. It helps them follow. And so what we used, you know, speaking to what I talked about before with regards to what you see in the scene and trying to use the practical elements, like when we filmed the blueprint sitting on the back of the, of the truck and you could see measurements and numbers and you could see the outlay that gives visual information that avoids you having to go to a full screen graphic. But then we also wanted to make it super clear that people don't necessarily know what a truss is. Mm-hmm. And we can't assume that people know what a wall is either. Like we have to say, this is a wall. There's four walls. There's 10 trusses. A trusses looks like, a truss looks like this. There's 10 of them. There's four walls. Put them together. You have the frame for a garage. So I think you have to be very, very literal because you have to remember too that people are watching once, not like us. We're watching it over and over and over and over again. So in a one pass, do people understand that there's four walls and that there's 10 trusses and that you put them together and then it looks like this. Let's make that super clear. So, yeah, I'm glad you noticed them. Yeah. yeah and it's a complicated challenge, too. It's yes. a lot of detail and a lot of things they get wrong that if you hadn't seen how it all comes together, you would have no idea what they're talking about. And I think this did a really good job of elucidating what exactly they had to do and how they could get it wrong. Like the whole thing with the windows, that would have been complete nonsense yes. and gibberish if I hadn't seen what the diagram looked like. Now, Phil, yeah, just well, being humble, she said that her mom told her that they could have put that garage together. No problem. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, look, like I said at the beginning of that challenge, it's a giant jigsaw puzzle. I mean, I have a feeling Michelle would have absolutely crushed that. She's so good mm-hmm. with details, so good with following plans. She's got so many different life skills. I think Michelle would have absolutely crushed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, yeah. So, I mean, again, this is the thing that I love so much about the show is that it isn't, it isn't just, we're not just measuring one thing. You got to have some smarts. You got to be able to plan and then trying to coordinate. I love that bite from Sarah from Savage Crew at the end, where she says, this is legit. Like we brought together a nurse and a pilot and, and, an, and a welder and an iron worker and a bricklayer. We pulled all of these people together and we built this garage. Like, I love hearing that because that's what it is. It's so it's, it's fine to be good at what you do. But how do I now get like if the four of us were a team? How do you work that dynamic, like figure stuff out it, in, the, in the heat of the battle, you know, in the moment? Was this the longest challenge you've ever done? I find it staggering that three hours they were able to construct a full garage, but it did seem almost like a bookend to how taxing the final challenge of season one was. This being the first challenge of season two is really like, from your perspective, a big way of saying, OK, this is what you're in for. Yeah. And, and um, look, there's a couple of things at play. First of all, the, 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 the big decision makers at, at CBS, they love that these challenges take a long time and that we see the transition of time. Mm-hmm. They want the audience to know that the show is called Tough as Nails for a reason. It's tough. It's meant to, I mean, they built an, they put an entire garage together in three hours. It's crazy or three and a half hours or whatever it was. The sun was going down. We were like, we got to get on. We got to, I got to hand out the money. I, we don't have lights here. You know, we, mm-hmm. we got to get this done. We're not in a studio. 
uh, with, oh, can you, you know, we, the lights are on and you're just carry on shooting until you're done. No, we, our light, our big light in the sky is going down and it's like we're calling it a day. And, um, and so we were trying to get through. But look, I will tell you this. The difference in terms of the challenges of shooting season one to two, night and day, like we had some challenges that we had to uh, scout seven times. Because if you think of Big Brother, Big Brother is one house and it has one COVID plan. Mm. It's tough shooting anywhere when you have to have a COVID plan. Where do the cars park? Where do the toilets get set up? Where do people drink water? Mm -hmm. What way do you walk into work? What way do you walk out of work? How do we stop people crossing each other in hallways? Um, How do you stop red zones mixing with green zone people, people who cannot, uh, who who are in in lockdown, um, in quarantine, and then people who are going home to their families and how do we have them communicate but not get near each other? What are the protocols with masks? All this stuff, right? That's one location. We had more than two dozen. So we would have a challenge where we've got to submit a whole COVID plan with an overhead view of where the cars park and where the water goes and where the toilets go and all of that stuff. And then they'll either go tick, 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 tick. Oh, no, 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 no. Too close there with the parking. Sorry. Location's out. Find another one. Okay, mm-hmm. so you go out and you got to find another one. No, imagine one location took seven times before they finally said yes. So the amount of resources and time and energy that went into that meant that we were jammed in other things like it cut into our amount of testing time. We, we had some locations that were getting dropped out just before we were shooting. All the time, this pressure that one person getting COVID going through a crew of 250 could shut the whole thing down in an instant. What would we do? These people have got like limited time. They can't just keep, they can't lock them down again for another two weeks and then pick things up. And then every morning we'd have a briefing and, and, and our COVID officer would say, you're doing a great job, everybody, but I just want to let you know down the road, there's a, there's a show that just got shut down because one of the actors came in contact with somebody who had COVID and they're on hold now. And mm-hmm. like the weight of all of that and so our executive in charge of production, Terry, with, he carried the weight of that. He's the one that's responsible with his team for getting us through without an incident. And I don't think I realized just how much it was weighing on all of us because I was so focused on, I was like, I've got to just switch on to thinking about the show and focus on that because if I start thinking too about too much of the other stuff, it'll affect the quality of the show. And it wasn't until I got to New Zealand, Louise and I, we went to New Zealand and we were in quarantine. And then I woke up in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, my God, like what could have happened? And I went wow. through all this. I, I finally it all hit me. I was like, oh, my God, we are so lucky that we got through. <laughs> like we finished this thing. So <laughs> It's it amazing was, to me that you didn't downsize it, knowing all of that and knowing how much more complicated it was. I thought for sure you'd like rent out somebody's farm and just do all the challenges in one spot. Yeah. I mean, it, we're already a lean scrappy show. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think we've, we might be on the leanest reality show that's ever come out of CBS. And, um, 
we're we're also trying again to continue to produce this show in 4K, which adds a whole other layer of expense and also uh, effort, you know. Um, so, and that was important to us. We weren't going to cut any corners with the quality of the cinematography or any of that. So I, I think, you know, we could have um, gone to a farm and done everything in one place, but I think it, we, we just wanted that. We wanted to lift our game. We wanted to be better than we were in season one. And uh, even with the restrictions of COVID, mm-hmm. we just wanted to be better. I'm curious, Phil, was that the same quarry that you went to back in season one? I don't want to be quarry blind, but it, <laughs> it, it did look a lot like where we were last time. So I wasn't sure if it was the same location. It, it was uh, it was on the same farm, but it was a different um, or. Yeah, that's a massive property. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on that same location, different spot. We didn't shoot in the same spot, but yeah. Yeah, we had to repeat some uh, like that location just out of. Uh, uh, you know, just trying to streamline things because right. we knew the location we already had shot that we we could easily get COVID plans together and get them whipped together. So it cut down on scouting time. It cut down on a lot of things. Um, so yeah, we did reuse that one, that location. Yeah, Phil, as a producer, I'm sure it must have been a dream to have that scenario in that challenge to have the two opposing strategies of to have the uh, yeah. the the uh, you know the the savage crew to start working on the walls and then to have uh, dirty hands to start working on knocking out the trusses. And you had this one point where okay, they have ten trusses done they this other team hasn't even finished one wall they're out in like a big lead and then just to see then the whole thing ultimately end up you know flipping over was a very exciting way for the first challenge to play out yeah and we had a lot of we had a lot of like uh you know tv magic moments and that was one of them and i really thought dirty hands were going to take it um and they really had it until they got to that window and when they got to the window, they got stumped and they got a little, I think, maybe a little cocky because I think they thought, wow, look how quickly we whipped through these trusses. And Scott kept saying, no, 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 you do the hard part first, then you yeah. do the trusses. And then that great bite from Sarah about how, you know, in fab- you, you always do in fabricating work, you always do the, sorry, in your work, you always do the hard stuff first and you do the fabrication later. So you know, you learn something there about how people work. While you're not tired, you do the hard stuff. I mean, sorry, while you're you're fresh, you do the hard stuff. And then when you get tired, you just do the finessing. So yeah. it was good to see. Yeah, the, the only downside was that because Savage Crew did the hard part first, like their bodies, at least from an edit perspective, seemed to be the one that was turning on them more quickly than Savage Crew, where it seemed like everyone was cramping up at the same time. I, I can imagine out there watching it, it must have been something to see, especially with, how vocal Savage Crew is as a team to have them sort of like hooting and hollering as as they're grabbing themselves. Yeah, I um, I think uh, I, I think also Dirty Hands just did a better job at hydrating themselves. Um, they they were talking a lot more about it. Hey, make sure you drink, everybody. Make sure you keep hydrated. And um, at one point, I was like, Swifty, you've got, he was not sweating, and we were out there and it was super hot. And I was like, Swifty, you need to drink. Like, you need to have something to drink. And so I, I just think the other team did a better job at hydrating themselves, looking after themselves. Yeah, they should go with the Michael, Mikey eyebrow strategy. Just like stick your head in the water. <laughs> yeah, he was ready to like get in there and dunk himself. Yeah. I mean, is that like a, a, like a COVID? Like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, like we need that water. <laughs> like, please. No, that set was all sprayed down. So 
you know, that was the other thing that kind of delayed everything. So the the art department, challenge department, they were all green zoned. So they were going home at night and everybody had to be super careful. But myself and the crew and the camera, I'm sorry, myself and the cast and the camera operators, we were all red zone. We were in quarantine. So if the art department went in to like set stuff up, we then had to get our COVID team to go in and spray everything down. And then we had to wait 10 minutes and we we're like looking at the clock going, mm, that sun's going down. Oh boy. We sh- I wish we were shooting right now. Oh boy. It would be great to go in there and start setting stuff up and blocking out shots and mm, oh boy, 10, 10, 10. And then boom, finally, boom, we can go in. And then you see something that you want changed and you're kind of making choices like, all right, but if we do that, that means we have to get out green zones. We, we got to spray, wait 10 minutes. They got to come in, change that. And we got to spray and walk back and lose another 10 minutes. So you start to assess all of the ramifications of what happens with making last minute tweaks on things that normally you just be like, hey, uh, Sid, come over here for a second. Do you think we can move that thing over there? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, and done. But no, not this process. This was <laughs> this was different. Yeah, I know that you, you plan out the challenges ahead of time, but I could imagine in some other world it's Mikey Eyebrows, you want water? Here's all the water you want. We're going to the boats <laughs> next time. Get wet, have fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I I had a random um, production-y question because this was just something I noticed. We made a big deal last season. Every time you were about to start the challenge, you made quite a production out of blowing that giant work whistle. (laughs) And you mentioned to us that it had nearly destroyed your hearing on at least one occasion, and it was very, very loud. So this season, there were two instances where you would have pulled the work whistle. And the camera zooms way out. And at one point we hear it faintly. And another point we don't hear it. Did you stop Ooh. blowing the whistle in person? Uh, I, that we still have not sorted out the whistle problem. So it turns out <laughs> that those whistles, those whistles are designed to uh, be heard from basically the other side of the United States away. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, we, we were not able to dampen the sound of the, whis- the whistle to get to a point where it wasn't going to kill my hearing. So was, to be honest with you, with everything else going on, it became a very low priority. So I, I in, it, ended up, uh, it ended up being that we had to uh, use a, uh, another sound okay. and then put the actual sound of the work whistle in over the top. But mm-hmm. well noted. And uh, I'm hoping that we get a chance to do a season three. And if we do, we will have the work whistle whistling a fine tune. Yeah. That one. <laughs> Yes, that tune. <laughs> so what sound did you use as a stand-in? Uh, it was just like one of those little, um, one of those little horn, you know, yeah, the ones horn. that you buy. Mm. Air horn, yeah. that little ear. Thank you. <laughs> How did I not know what an air horn was? Yes, an air horn. And so we just had it uh, mounted underneath and I had to reach in there. And, mm. But it was, you know, not something we showed on camera, of course. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, busted. <laughs> Yeah, busted. I'm sorry. What were your takes on the new teams, Phil? I know you said in the moment, like, this looks like an evenly stacked group of people. But at the time, did you have any sort of, like, personal takes on the dynamics of those particular six people on Savage Crew versus Dirty Hands? Well, I do feel like the teams are really balanced. Um, And, you know, I can't say, but uh, obviously in season one, getting things tied up and then going into a tiebreaker was really exciting. Um, and so that's what you want every time, I think, because you want it, the stakes to be really high. 
And the way that the number of team challenges works, we're, we're set up for a, for a tiebreaker, mm-hmm. meaning there's nine team challenges. So you hope that both Savage Crew and Dirty Hands come into the tiebreaker for a piece. Um, and that's why the picks, you know, it's a new format. You don't know whether the picks could are going to work. I think last season and season one on paper, Dirty Hands were definitely person for person. Probably overall, if you were to tick boxes, probably had an edge physically. Um, and and yet Dirty Hands, uh, sorry, Savage Crew made up for it with smarts and working smarter, not harder. And some really good, some people in there that had really good life skills, like a Michelle. So, and then it ended up that they could even things out. But uh, I was excited when I saw what happened and I saw, I saw Knuckles do so well. She really had it. I mean, she, that was hers to win. She messed up by like just a clump of about that much concrete. She had that win. Um, and so she would have got the first pick. Whether she would have picked Scott or not first, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the teams are they're pretty even. I mean, I think you saw that even in, in the way that the framing, I mean, that after three and a half hours to be that close, pretty impressive. Phil, I don't know if you could tell us this, but uh, in season one, Roofer Lee was like a go-to person for you. Anytime, any challenge, you needed a, a soundbite. Did you have yes. that in this season of a person who is going to give you just a, a great uh, comment anytime you go to them? Uh Yes, I've got, but multiple. And, and okay. I think, I think the characters overall, um, are, we've got more extroverts this season. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some more, we do have some introverts. We have some people who are amazing at, um, at, at articulating story in, in bites, but don't necessarily say so much in scene, you know, they say maybe less in scene, but yeah, I've got lots of people to lean on for, for fun times and for, for good banter. Um, I mean, just freight train and Selly alone, the two of them, um, and then Meryl, you know, becomes, they will become more and more interesting as time goes on. I will tell you that the season overall, uh, is a lot tougher. Uh, it's a lot more physical. I and mean, you see that right out of the gate, we did amp up the, <laughs> the toughness, if you like. Um, it was, it was a tough, tough season. Very tough. But did you amp up the nails? <laughs> <laughs> much bigger nails much giant nails railroad spikes you know if I'd if I'd really thought about it you should have sent the calendar out with a nail mm-hmm. a hammer a brand, and a nail. brand and nail yeah like a hammer and nail please na- nail in your calendar wherever you see fit <laughs> and a level you know? also I guess the gravity yeah. takes care of that if you put the nail in the right spot but you don't exactly. know exactly you don't know put it in the middle no hole. little punch hole yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, no, at, right. least, at least send us a roll of duct tape <laughs> So, so there was no, there was no hole at the top of the calendar. <laughs> there is no hole at the top of the calendar. Ah, so That's did you? Fine. You know what this 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 show teaches you? You yeah. make your own hole. We'll measure you know? twice and then cut our own holes. Yeah, I, I mean, I solved the problem. I I used my like my range of yes. life experience to apply problem solving skills. It's so taken you, care of. You kicked you kicked into your Michelle. You you yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked smarter, not harder. Yeah. You did, and I. Well, I'm I'm surprised, but but uh, I guess maybe that's exactly what you're. You know, maybe that was the whole point was to force people to have to think mm-hmm. about how they were going to solve the hanging 
issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really it puts you in the right mindset to approach the program. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what did you think overall, like mixing the two seasons? Did you like that we did that instead of like just focusing on season two? Yeah. I've, yeah, yeah once I, you've now uh, had Savage Crew and Dirty Hands uh, combined for like uh, this legacy, like, yeah, sure. It makes a lot of sense now. And, you know, one of the coolest things was that uh, uh, Linda on Dirty Hands reached out to Knuckles on Dirty Hands. And the two of them got together and put together a fitness program for women in the trades. They'd they'd never met each other. They just were associated by being part of Dirty Hands. And now they've formed this friendship and this bond. And so online, season one, Dirty Hands and Savage Crew teams are connecting Mm -hmm. and they're building this legacy. And so that was the intention. You just don't know, you know, I didn't know whether it was going to work. But my whole thing was, um, cause I was reading some comments from people, but my whole thing was, you know, season 22 of survivor. Do we remember what the tribe names were? Don't ask us. Yeah. Do you guys watch survivor? <laughs> a, little, a little bit. They're familiar. Bit. Okay. Yeah, so can you, is that show still on? can you name, can you name half a dozen? I mean, 40 seasons. 40 seasons, right? So 80 tribes, is that right? 530 and, contestants. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 80 tribes and 40 seasons, is that correct? Two, mm, well, yeah, that. so they have three tribes, four. Okay, so first tribe names. Yeah, yeah so there's at least it, three tribe names per season. Okay, so okay, so let's say over yeah. 100 tribe names. Could you name could you name six? Phil, you are making a very good point, but you are talking to the wrong people. Again, you are. <laughs> no, you, no, no, you, no, no, yeah. I'm just saying. Could the, the average person say the, no, the, the royal you, not necessarily yes. us. I'm, the three I'm not of us, saying, I think we could name them all. <laughs> okay. But, okay. So, but, but do, I'm, I'm, that's a serious question. Like, could, could a, could a, could a survivor fan, like a big survivor fan, name all of the hundred something tribes? No. No, no, exactly. I don't even think okay. Mike could. No, you'd, yeah. you'd have to be Rob or Mike yeah. to do that. Okay, so, but, and, and I guess my thing is, they're wearing the same uniforms. Like, I, we couldn't reinvent the, we couldn't reinvent the look. You know, we love working with Carhartt, and they, and, and we love those distinctive looks. So then it would be, to me, it'd be kind of weird. Like, you're wearing a, a New York um, Yankees uniform, but you call them something else. Like, the, I call them the, something else. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Hashtag yeah. Mets fan. <laughs> so that was kind of the idea was that you, you wear that uniform, which in a way it is a uniform, yeah. right? And, and, and now you're a part of something that lives on past you and other people, new people, new recruits come in. Yeah. That was kind of the intent. Phil, Whether you like it or not. Okay. Yes. Phil, yeah. can we ask you that you teased uh, what was coming up in uh, next week's episode? And I thought that this was, uh, you know, a, a very interesting way that you described what was coming up next week. Get some rest. Come back. We're going to hit it hard. It's going to get wild. It's going to get wet and wild tomorrow, as a matter of fact. A wet and it's wild gonna challenge. Wet. It's going to get wet and wild. Next week on Tough as Nails. It's not going to be any slime eels, right? There might be. 
Yeah, I think I think I think that might be the the slime eels that were mentioned because I'm pretty sure next week's episode, from what I saw, is called like they're boogers and and something. So I'm assuming that I think we're getting we're getting aquatic next week. Well, we 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 might be getting wet and wild. <laughs> Rob, please clip this. Please clip it. Put it in the soundboard. It's happening. <laughs> That's got to go in the app. Uh, yes. In a world of wonder. Next week on Tough as Nails, we get wet and wild. <laughs> Is this slowly segwaying to like Phil's voiceover reel? By the I end don't of this know. I, I, you guys letting me go, and I'm just like, uh, I think I'm punch drunk. We're, so. we're happy to let you go here. Anyway, no, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a it, it's a good one, um, and it's tough. It's another one that goes on for a long time. The sun starts to set. Uh, in fact, it does set on us uh, in the second episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a long day. Yeah, a couple of long days. <sighs> yeah, I saw the slime eels in the teaser. Uh, yes, you would have seen the slime eels in the teaser, and you I would have seen... I didn't know that was a thing, to be fair. The slime eels? Yeah. Yeah, Rob hates slime to begin with, so throw an eel on top of that, and that's... Well, you, you, are, you, are going to, uh, you are going to see slime uh, in a whole new way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's going to be new, A new spin so on listen, slime, yes. Have we, have we, have we finished the main meal now? Is this where I, I like, leave? <laughs> is this where I get up from the table and do an Irish goodbye? And, um, and, and then you guys carry on and have the real talk that, that, uh, the team really wants to hear where you guys mm-hmm. get real and you go, okay, now that Phil's Well, I, I'm literally dropping off right now to go back to work. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are dropping, you are leaving. I'm literally. Yes. Oh. I'm Irish goodbye. I'm, I'm. I'm upstaging you, Phil. I'm oh, out. Now, are you going? Is this is this about going to some other show? What, what, what's no? This is about going to my real job that I actually get a paycheck for. Uh, got it. Okay. <laughs> well, I probably should do the same because I also have a real job that I actually mm-hmm. get paid for. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Phil, anytime you want to pop in, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Don't listen to don't listen to the haters. Don't our yeah. garage door is open. Yes, but you pop your, your in garage door is open. Thank you. Your your microphone is ready, or my microphone is ready. All right. Well, I'll leave the uh, I'll leave the lights that I have here. I'll leave them set up, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll see how everybody in the production reacts. And um, I'll take a vote on the next all story meeting and see where where I've landed with everybody. Well, if we are allowed to vote, we vote. We want you back every week. Okay. Um, well, I'll I'll pull that out as a, as a yes. clip and give no that pressure. to them. Feel free to feel free to deploy that at any time. Yeah, and then um, and Mike and Rob, you guys uh, enjoy ordering dessert, mm-hmm. and uh, we will. Yeah, I mean, I hear they make great coffees. Yes, Mike and I might just split something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could get two spoons and uh, and one dessert. That's probably we're gonna we're idea. gonna go Dutch, much like Phil's Jeff Probst impression. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was it was more German. I think this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to tell you that the tribe is spoken. <laughs> And I am now putting out your flame. <laughs> what is happening? Yes. Okay. Uh, we must yes, go Phil, now. I'll be the same until Phil. we meet again. Yes. Bye. Okay, take care, Phil. Okay. Uh, Jess, I know, uh, Jess has to run as, as well. Uh, <laughs> All right, so. Rob, it's just us now. That's fine. That's fine. How are you, Michael? This is the- I'm I'm doing well. Uh, that was great. Uh, that was wet, so, it's so wet, great. Wet and wild. <laughs> wet, vet and wild. I guess to quote Phil's new yes. impression. Now, I, now we get to say I think an alternate universe where 
obviously, I think the the old story, right, is that it was between Phil and Jeff Probst for host of Survivor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm imagining if Phil became host of Survivor, he would have had to adapt a German accent, I'm assuming. Yeah, okay. I uh, did not expect Phil to go full bloom here on the podcast, but here we are. So yeah, I think it's the, the perfect location to, to do so, I suppose. Yeah. I, Mike, I don't know if we have that much more uh, to get into from uh, the premiere. It was a lot of getting to know the new cast. Was there anything else that really jumped out at you? Yeah, so the stories in particular have been very interesting. I mean, so I actually want to talk first about the wardrobe, and I'm sure we'll get into it more when we have Jess back proper. But I think we got to talk about Meryl's shirt here. Yeah, Dragon Especially Lady. As, sur- as Survivor fans who can name <laughs> 600 tribes. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I inter- talk- Phil was making a very good point. He just happened to no, be talking to No, he was. I just think he was, he was more people. so referring to the, the royal yeah. view than I think the three of us. And Jordan Kalos do not, you know, use that as a question for this week in Survivor <laughs> Wait, history. The royal Y-O-U or the royal letter U? Oh, well, there are millennials and Gen Xers among us. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a mixed bag, much like mixed concrete. But I forget if you talked about this with Bryce on Insta Look, but yeah, Meryl has a shirt because I believe the 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 she was the first uh, black woman to, to pilot was it the U2 Dragon Lady. Yeah. And so she has a shirt that says Dragon Lady on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fantastic, you know, she I guess she can be a coach in many, many speakings, but we have the Dragon Slayer. We have the Dragon. Now we have the Dragon Lady. The Dragon mythology continues on these shows. Yeah. Mother of Dragons. Does she go by Dragon Lady? Was that an official nickname for Meryl? See, I don't know. It didn't seem like they called her that, though. Maybe they might opt that nickname later on, because I don't know how you feel about wearing. Is she going to swaggy see it? You know, is she going to mm-hmm. wear a shirt with her own nickname on it? I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Um, Mike, did you have any other favorites from the cast? Because I feel like I, I, I did have one favorite and I didn't uh, get to uh, call it out yet. Well, so I think. You know, whether or not it, you can say favor or maybe not so, I, I think we got to talk about Mikey Eyebrows because he was, I can imagine when Phil listed his short list of go-to people, I got to imagine that guy's on the list. Yeah, Mikey Eyebrows, I think that if I was describing this to a person who did not watch the show, I would say that the situation's dad is on <laughs> Tough as Nails. Yeah, imagine the humanization of chicken parmesan, <laughs> and that is Mikey Eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I did think that uh, it was interesting that Mikey, Mikey Eyebrows, uh, I thought that he said, you know, hey, look, uh, I don't have the voice down yet, but, uh, you know, I live in, you know, I I live in a two bedroom apartment with my with my four kids. This money is, uh, you know, means everything to me. Also, Mikey Eyebrows, I get my eyebrows done all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So apparently... What Phil told me, the origin story of Mikey Eyebrows is that he actually used to be Mikey Unibrow. He used to have one eyebrow and everyone would sort of like mock him for it. So then he made sure to pay special care to his eyebrows. This is like some like super villain origin story. (laughs) I mean, he does have like the Lex Luthor look, right? (laughs) He has the shaved head. So maybe he's just one step away. I'm glad he went into concrete instead of super villainy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Mikey Eyebrows, uh, he is a character. But, but no, I think my favorite, the one that really popped for me, and when I did the Issa look with Bryce, where we went through all the pictures, I wasn't getting it, but the person that really surprised me the most was Liz, was Knuckles. Knuckles, Knuckles? was like, oh my I, God. Like, uh, this I is, love Knuckles. This is, uh, she was like uh, popped off the screen, and I wasn't getting it from just the still picture, but when you saw her on the show, I thought she was great. I, I she has this really nice, like positive energy yeah. to her, where she's not exactly completely placid like a Murph, but she still has like a very mellow way of talking. While well, Mikey Eyebrows mm-hmm. is the more dynamic, she's more the static. 
but I think she's she's very smiley. I think she's an absolute badass for working 35 weeks into her pregnancy, I think it was, or something like that, while while she was, uh, or something like that, while, while she was on the job. I thought she said, was it like 35 degrees and 35 weeks pregnant or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, something like that. So the number 35 is very important to her. So like being able to do that, working this very intense job while also being a mom, I think she was a really great team leader as well. She does really seem like just the great calm type yeah. that you want. But I think she's also some great, gives some great sound bites as well. You know, when, when Savage crew wins, she was the one that's always like, yeah, yeah we'll get him next time. Or, you know, <laughs> don't, don't get too cocky. In kid. fairness, I've never done the chart of uh weeks pregnant versus degrees where uh weeks pregnant is the X axis and mm-hmm. uh, degrees is the Y axis. But I do feel like that you are just, that's like right around the sweet spot. I mean, I feel like you could be, I don't zero- know. I mean, 35 degrees Fahrenheit is still pretty, cold yeah but what about when it's you're zero weeks pregnant and it's zero degrees mike oh oh yeah i guess what the question is yeah what if you have to have an equal number of degrees and weeks pregnant what right. would you want to be i mean you I might get higher, to room yeah. temperature but now you're you know uh 72 to weeks pregnant that's that's not <laughs> yeah. good for anybody like i really that's feel great like- would you would you rather would you rather <laughs> give birth in a higher temperature or a higher number of weeks i'm so glad jess is missing from this part of the conversation by the way because you know the good news is i'm Minus two weeks pregnant. Uh, the bad news is I'm freezing. I will also say a highlight for me. I actually someone who really surprised me. I like Scott. Yeah, no, and maybe it's yes, yeah, Scott, Scott. I feel like that his picture was just like, okay, what is this guy? But he was a uh, funny. He was a goof. Oh yeah, he's a big old goober. He's a, <laughs> like a ladder of a goober. And I also loved his look where he has like the bandana, but also the cap on top of the bandana. Yeah. So he's almost wearing two two pieces of headgear. Once this is also his episode, right? He's mm-hmm. the foreman that leads Savage Crew to their victory. But yeah, Scott's Scott's got more of a personality, I think, than than maybe you would initially think upon first glance. Yeah. Of him. Oh, uh, one other observation I had was uh, Swifty. Uh, so he said that he's from uh, Chicago, Indiana, East Chicago, East, Indiana. Yeah, East, yeah. Okay. Um, which if you're watching from home and you're rooting on Swifty, it's like, uh, okay, hey, look, our, our guy is there. And then Swifty called his town. Uh, it is the worst place in the world to live. <laughs> he said it's also yeah, the so- best place. But it is yeah, the worst it's place. It's the best place in that it's the worst thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, the, the best thing you can do is break your leg because it really makes you value the idea of walking almost. Mm-hmm. And it, it forges you in, in iron who you are or steel. In this case, but yeah, I do. I do like that, that. I don't know if he's welcome back in East Chicago, Indiana. I don't know if they're doing a Swifty day yeah. anytime when soon. He goes into like the local bar when they reopen. Uh, like, oh, Swifty, oh, it's you. Didn't- First, you said this is the worst. Said our place town in the is world. the worst place in the world to live. <laughs> yeah, though I, I guess we'd have to, uh, you know, check it out. Maybe, maybe Swifty is speaking from personal experience. I don't know if it's on any list in particular, but I also like. <laughs> Swifty saying, you know, very simply that tough is Swifty, which I'm assuming is the new show when Swifty takes over as host from Phil and is able to, to overthrow him. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on uh, Freight Train? Freight Train actually was a little bit of a purple Freight Train in the brown shirt. Mm-hmm. I feel like we actually surprisingly did not get that much from Freight Train. The only blip we got was him, you know, essentially calling himself the dispatcher, where he sort of is the middleman between Angel and the rest of, of Dirty Hands. So hopefully we see more of him because he, he seems to be a personality. He seemed to take no umbrage with the fact that he was picked last, or I guess not even picked at all, that he was like by default put on Savage Crew. But I, I hope we see more of him. It actually looks like he has a bit of a medical scare down the line. So hopefully everything works out well for Freight Train. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Hopefully, uh, everything's going to be okay. Uh, Selly hopefully won't have to like perform any <laughs> field, field duty. I will say someone else who really uh, hit with me, who I thought really leapt off the screen. I really like Tara, the the Merchant Mariner. Mm-hmm. I, I love uh, just even her comment about how she came in sixth place and she said, you know, I didn't do half bad. Well, actually, I did a little bit worse than half bad. Was a was a very fun TV moment, and it seems like she is one of these like Jill of all trades, where it seems like working in the shipyard she has done literally everything so i think she could be one of those stealthy not swifty <laughs> undercover you know all-around performers that could do well in basically every challenge okay all right mike anything else from this toughest nails season premiere no i thought it was good uh you know like we said in the very beginning it felt weird to me that it felt like we were sort of stopping halfway through what would have been a normal round of of toughest nails but i guess this is more so like the prologue to the season proper like for example rob i don't know how you haven't watched the season of the challenge but i know there was like that i've that seen half preview it, yeah. special. yeah so that preview special that aired this is sort of that version of this yes. for tough as nails i did watch introducing that. yeah where it's introducing the contestants and then they partake in a little challenge that is not necessarily incidental to everything that's happening in the season but a good introduction to these people and the team dynamic it's odd to kick off seven days in between that but i'm just happy the show is back I think I forgot just because of everything going on, how much this show puts a genuine smile on my face between the heartwarming aspects, the people makes you really value those, you know, those who do those, those jobs that aren't necessarily talked about and the stories Mm -hmm. of everyone. I, I love the diversity of this cast, just looking at them and looking at all the stories they have is really incredible. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know them all since they're all sticking around over the course of the season. Yeah, it's a fun watch. It's a quick hour uh, when you uh, turn it on. And so very excited to have it back and excited to be talking about it with you and Jess and Phil and whoever else ends up uh, coming through the podcast door or the window. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we we got enough of a window size. We put in all the leading bars or whatever they were called. I've already lost the jargon. I've already moved on to the wet and wild aspect (laughs) on top of snails. Okay. All right. Uh, This week, uh, Mike Bloom, myself, and Frail Mary, Mary Krakowski, we talked about, uh, though we might have a great list for the uh, Phil's funniest moments (laughs) after today, of the Jeff Probst all-time funny moments we put them into our ranking system that we have been doing here in the survivor off season of it's called outwit outplay outlist and we put them all on a list and it's there for you to listen to up at robinswebsite.com it was a really really fun time yeah. uh, we got into a lot of great debates we ruminated a lot around some really intentional and unintentional hilarious moments from the host with the most uh with or without a germanic accent but it's it's been very fun and we'll have we'll probably have another one of those coming up in in a couple of weeks as well as we sort of meander our way through the concrete that is the survivor off season at this point yep and if you uh missed it on wednesday night you could check out my uh, most recent panel discussion i talked about uh the blue collars versus the white collars versus the no collars in survivor worlds apart it is the 35th best season as voted by the fans of robert's podcast been about three hours with jenny autumn and phil thompson going through everything another great phil uh, that we uh, went through everything from uh, that season and uh, talked about uh, worlds apart. Fun. Yeah. And, and you keep, you're going to keep working through. Time to go to work with another Survivor season the very next week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Time to, time to go back to work. Oh, wait, hold on. Is that, the, is that my work whistle? Is it? Yes. Okay. Time to there watch the 34th best season of Survivor 
or no. an X-wing. Wait, is that an air horn or anything? No, it was that was no. <laughs> that was a uh, whistle telling me to watch the thirty fourth best season of Survivor Nicaragua, which, if I recall, did get wet and wild at points. At, at certain points, yeah, specifically that torturous challenge where they spun them on a wheel and they had to dunk themselves in the water and spin yeah. it into a tube. I was talking about the time that Fabio went swimming in the pool. Oh, yeah, yeah well, wet, that wet was, uh, <laughs> yes, wet, wild, and yellow yes. in a certain way. And as, well, speaking of wet and wild, I know also, Rob, you t- you're taking to the sea to cover Pirate, Pirate Master, Master, right? Yes, I, I have gone Rewind. back to watch the 2007 CBS series Pirate Master with Aaron Robertson. Uh, we are covering all of that in the month of February on the RHAP Rewatch. And uh, I'm going to be recording Chapter 2 of our Pirate Master Rewatch, uh, covering Episodes 4 through 7. David Bloomberg will join us to tell us why X marks the spot on Pirate Master. <laughs> yeah, why blank walk the plank. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Mike, what do you have coming up? Lots of stuff. So uh, I'll keep it the reality TV stuff for now. Of course, Shannon, Gus, and myself are covering season five of a Survivor South Africa Champions. Uh, so we are, they bring in sports stars in uh, various fields to not only captain the tribes, but make some guest appearances as well. We just had a big game-changing swap episode we've got a couple more episodes to cover this coming week so we've had a lot of fun going back in time to 2014 like you've been doing with pirate master talk about survivor south africa and then over on poster recaps i've done some other time travel i'm of course talking lost every week with josh wiggler our coverage of the economist season four episode three saeed Jarrah, the assassin should be coming out very soon it's on your hit list and then of course the bloom files myself and my wife angela bloom talking at the x-files a very alien-based, kooky episode of the X-Files and the Bloom Files proper coming to your feeds this weekend. So we'll do, be doing that. We'll be doing some other stuff on the side. Rob, you and I announced due to a v- voluminous request, you and I, probably at the end of this month, beginning of next month, we'll, be, we'll indeed be doing a Brant Steel Survivor Paramountain. Yeah. Where, Let's uh, not the, tell the, Phil the, what a Brant Steel is. It might be too embarrassing. Yeah, then he'll have us really have to list out all the tribes <laughs> yes, that exist in yes. our brand we'll steals. Well, tell him a brand steal is when we hang out with Swifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But don't, but not in East Chicago, Indiana. Stay away from there. Yeah, we're brand steel workers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's my tough job now. I'm a brand steel worker. Mike Bloom, the greatest brand steel worker in the business. Put it in a, a rough three hours at the brand <laughs> steel mill. Sweat <laughs> off my brow. <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike, this was so much fun. We'll be back every Thursday to talk about Tough as Nails. Uh, let me open up a uh, email address that you can send us in oh, your Tough okay. as Nails questions. Maybe you have a great question uh, to ask. Phil might be too long for a tweet. We know how closely Phil is paying attention to people on social media. I, w- I wanted to tell Phil, like, Phil, you got to tune out the haters. Yeah. At this point, I think now you put into practice yeah. what some people have put out there. I think the more popular the show becomes, the more it opens it up for the negativity to slip in. So just try to push that away. Sift it yeah. through the aggregate. You know, I believe that the great Seth Godin had said, I think this is a great piece of advice. Uh, there's very little you could learn from a one-star review. Uh, really, like the the nuggets are in like the two stars, the three stars, four-star mm-hmm. reviews, like uh, five stars, you know, that they're, they're, very little to take away one star it's like the ones in the middle that's the and that's what we might get on the email yeah exactly that's the air in between these flats that when you put Mm -hmm. up the 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 trusses if you will instead you want to go for that lumber the two-star reviews plus 
or the feedback yeah. in general. If you have, obviously, if you have questions, like we asked Phil about the production process, what led to this decision, et cetera, you know, he is more than keen to yeah. answer. So that. tough as nails at Rob is a website.com. If you want to send us in any email, but if you want to leave us any feedback or star ratings over on Apple Podcasts, you could subscribe to our Tough as Nails dedicated podcast feed. Go to robiswebsite.com slash tough as nails to get a load of our feed up in the Apple Podcast store, also available on Spotify as well. Okay? So thank you so much for watching. Take care, everybody. Good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know it's easy bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance, and it's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today.